Amen. I just am so thankful for his peace. How busy the world gets. But we're not that way, right? We're not racing. We're at peace. He accomplishes the things that concern us, right? We don't have anything to worry about, do we? No. Uh Uh-uh. Well, back in the merry month of May, I shared a message with you about birds. Anybody remember that message about birds? What was the message, the title of that message? Bird-brained, absolutely, good. Bird-brained, yeah. And, and we learned in Matthew chapter 6 that God gives us the key that will unlock His destiny for our lives. And it's summarized in verse 33, and Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and everything else shall be added unto you. We also found in verse 26 that Jesus, our Master, our King and our Lord, exhorts us to look at the birds. Now we know that when Jesus is talking, the Father is talking, right? Jesus told us Himself that He didn't say anything that His Father didn't say. He didn't do anything that His Father didn't do. So we know that when Jesus speaks... The Father speaks. So the Father is exhorting us in Matthew 6.26 to look at the birds. So it's good to take the Father's advice. And we looked at the birds for a little while last time. And we saw that the birds don't sow. They don't reap. They don't gather into barns. They're not concerned about the economy or the price of gas or who's in office in Washington. And your Heavenly Father feeds them and cares for them wonderfully. Every one of them. And we know that if, if the Father would do that for birds, surely He'll do that for you. Right? I like the way Matthew uh, 6.26 reads in the message translation. I'll read that to you. It says, look at the birds, free and unfettered, not bound by anything, not tied down, to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more than the birds. Do you believe that? Do you believe you're more valuable to God than the birds, than the animals and the trees and the whales? You are. You're more valuable. Why? Because you were made in His image. He created you in His image. Didn't do that for anyone else. Only mankind. So when you look at the birds, there's a lot to to, to, to learn from the birds. Another thing we see when we looked at the birds last time is that the birds aren't trying to be something they weren't made to be. They're just doing what they were created to do. They're being birds. A, A great producer of stress is trying to be something you weren't created to be. Trying to be something to please man. Trying to do what others would like you to do when it goes against who you were made to be. We don't see the birds doing that. I've never seen a bird trying to be a giraffe or an elephant or a rhinoceros. They're birds. They're just being who God's made them to be. So we want to be bird-brained. 
right? We we don't want to worry about sowing and reaping or or gathering into barns or the state of the economy or the cost of gas. We don't want to try and be something that God hasn't made us to be. We We don't live for the approval of man. We're just being who God made us to be. And our Heavenly Father takes perfect care of us. Isn't that good? It's just wonderful to be one of His very own. Well, let's open up our Bibles tonight to Matthew chapter 6. And let's just let the peace of the Holy Spirit minister to us as we read the Holy Word. Hallelujah. We're seeking Him first, His way of living and doing. Matthew chapter 6. We're starting in verse 19. Jesus, our Lord, is speaking, so we know God the Father is speaking. He says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there where your heart is be also. There is a vast difference between heaven and earth. A vast difference between God's ways and man's ways. So Jesus and God the Father are exhorting us not to treasure the things of this earth nor the ways of man. So if you're living your life to please others, and I'm not talking about being kind and being respectful. We're talking about acting and making decisions in your life to win man's approval rather than seeking the Lord for his direction for your life. If you're doing that, what you're doing is you're setting man's view of you and man's opinion of you above God's word. You're choosing to treasure what man thinks of you over what God thinks of you. Right? We don't want to do that. We don't want to treasure. Do you know the world will applaud you for trying to be something you weren't created to be. They'll endorse you. They'll they'll write up a contract for you. They'll they'll build uh, committees and political campaigns to support you for trying to be something you weren't made to be that they want you to be. But Jesus exhorts us, don't treasure man's opinion, the ways of man, the things of this earth. Treasure God's kingdom. Treasure what God thinks about you. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 25, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? The message says it this way. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, It follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Verse 26, Behold the birds of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? Verse 31. 
Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, do those who have no relationship with God, those who treasure the the opinions of man, those who treasure the things of the earth live this way. But you as children of God, don't you live this way? You are God's sons and daughters. You know who your heavenly father is. You know you're made in his image. You know he's accomplishing the things. It would make no sense for you to live the way those who don't know him live. Because you're different. You're a new creation. You're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. A people for God's own possession. For your heavenly Father knoweth you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your holy word. Lord, we treasure your word. It is from everlasting to everlasting. And we are alive tonight because you have sent your word and healed us. You have sent your word and revealed your son to us. Holy Spirit, we give you full right away in our hearts tonight to let your peace reign, to shine the light in any area of our heart where the light of Christ needs to shine, to show us things that we need to learn, to change us and to mold us and to shape us more so into the image of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your will done in this house tonight, just as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. So we know that when God speaks, Jesus speaks, that every word that he chooses is exactly the word that needs to be spoken. That is one of the distinguishing characteristics of God. His word is perfect. So when Jesus says, behold the birds... That's exactly what he means for us to do. You say, wasn't that simple or trivial? No. Mm -mm. You see, when I understand that the words that, that came from Jesus' lips are from everlasting to everlasting, that they are the eternal words of God, that as a disciple of Christ, I realize that though heaven and earth will pass away, that the flowers may fail and fade and, and the fields may pass away, that the word of my Lord will never pass away. So I realize that there is a, a, a fathomless depth to his word. So I could take Matthew chapter 6, just verse 26, I could read that 100 times a day, every day for the rest of my life. And if my heart is open to the Holy Spirit and I'm seeking Him first and passionately pursue Him, I can learn something from that verse every time I read it. Look at the birds. So we talked about being bird-brained. Well, tonight we're going to talk about being bird-hearted. And that's the title of tonight's message, bird-hearted. You've heard of lion-hearted before, haven't you? You've never heard of bird-hearted, though. Look at the birds. Why would God tell us to look at the birds? Why didn't he say, look at the dolphins? Or look at the horses? Or look at the lions? He didn't say that. Is he just kind of making some casual conversation? Did you know, I learned something about birds in this past month. Did you know that birds have the strongest heart 
of all animals. Stronger than a lion's. Stronger than a zebra and a horse. It's true. The birds have the strongest heart of all animals. In fact, their heart is a four-chambered heart like a mammal's heart. Now, if you would take the size of a bird's heart and the weight of a bird's heart relative to the size of their body, it is larger than any other animal's. It's larger than ours. Show you what I mean. The human heart, in terms of our body weight, is less than half of 1%. It's 0.42% of our body weight. And the average pulse of the human heart is 72 beats per minute. Take a house sparrow, common bird. The weight and size of their heart is 1.68%. Of their body weight. That's four times the size of the human heart. 460 times beating per minute. That's six and a half times human heart. The ruby-throated hummingbird. 2.37% of its body weight. That's over five and a half times the size of ours. Its pulse about 615 beats per minute. That's, six, that's eight and a half times of ours. What would you feel like if your heart was eight and a half times stronger than it is now? Hmm? Would you let God do that? Why did God say, look at the birds? Because God knows what life is all about. It's about your heart. And God wants your heart to be strong. You see, a bird has to have the strongest heart of all animals because only a bird can go where other animals can't go. It needs a strong heart to meet the demands of flight, of swimming, of diving, and all the things that they do. And it's the, the strength of their heart that enables them to go places that no one else can go. And God wants that for you. Look at the birds. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 23. The Holy Spirit says this, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their whole body. And verse 23 is key. Above all else, guard your heart. Why? For from it flow the springs of life. One translation says it is the wellspring of life. The bar-headed geese, or the Himalayan geese, migrate over the Himalayan mountains. And the Himalayas, I guess at their, their peak, are close to five miles high. So these birds have been clocked with, with radar and satellite to be flying at almost four miles high in the air. And that baffles scientists. Because to fly at four miles above the earth, the oxygen is so thin at that altitude, they can't figure out how they do that. So they began to study them. 
And you know what they found? It's their cardiovascular system. They have more capillaries, more blood vessels in their flight muscles than any other animal. And it's their, listen closely, it's their internal structure, that their internal supply that makes up the difference from the external deficiency in the atmosphere around them. The Holy Spirit is in you. Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Look at the birds. Bird-hearted. Makes me want to flap my wings. God desires you to have a strong heart because he wants you to fly. Say, what do you mean he wants me to fly? God wants you to live life high above the ways of man. High above the reasonings and philosophies of man. High above the solutions of man. High above man's conclusions. In fact, God wants to take you from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. Look at the birds. Let's turn to Deuteronomy. In the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, chapter 26. Oftentimes I see in the body of Christ, Christians, very loving, well-meaning people that haven't yet realized the quality of life that God has for them, that haven't yet realized what God wants to do in their lives and they've settled for man's standards and man's ideas of what life is all about. Deuteronomy is an amazing book and I've been reading through it myself this month. But in Deuteronomy, you see, this is right before God's people, the second generation who came out from Egypt. They're the generation that get to go into the promised land. And he's getting ready to bring them in and he communicates to him this quality of life that he has for them. And in Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 18, it says this, And the Lord hath avouched thee this day to be his peculiar people, as he hath promised thee, and that thou shouldest keep all his commandments. Listen to verse 9. And to make thee high above all nations which he hath made. If he had that for his old covenant folks, what about his new covenant people? What about those who redeemed? If he had that for those who redeemed by the blood of lambs, what about those who've been redeemed by the Lamb of God? Verse 19, and to make thee high above all nations which he hath made, in praise and in name and in honor, that thou mayest be a holy people unto the Lord, as he hath spoken. I'm going to read it to you out of the message, verses 18 and 19. And today God has reaffirmed that you are dearly held treasure 
his own special treasure. Just as he promised, a people entrusted with keeping his commandments, a people set high above all other nations that he's made, high in praise, high in fame, high in honor. You're a people holy to God, your God. That's what he promised. You're familiar with 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why? That you may show forth the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He wants you to fly, doesn't he? Let's look at Deuteronomy uh, chapter 28, verse 1. And it shall come to pass... If thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of thy God, of the Lord thy God, to observe and do all his commandments which I command you this day, what will the Lord do? That the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. You see, God has an agenda for your life. It's to lift you up. Man's religion won't teach you that. But that's the heart of God. He wants to lift you up. And we're not going to read through, but if you go on, you'll see that God is telling His people that if you'll just walk with me, all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. That you're, that you're going to be blessed in the city. You're going to be blessed in Providence and New Bedford and Fall River. And you're going to be blessed in the country and in the field. You're going to be blessed in the fruit of your body and the fruit of the ground and the fruit of your your livestock and your possessions, your increase and your investments. You're going to be blessed in your basket and your storehouse. You're going to be blessed when you come in. You're going to be blessed when you go out. The Lord himself will cause your enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten and struck down before your face. They shall come against thee in only one way, but they will flee from you in seven ways. The Lord Lord himself will command the blessing upon thee in your storehouses and in all that thou settest thy hand to, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish you as a holy people. And all the people of the earth shall see you. They'll see you're called by his name, and they shall be afraid of you. The Lord will make you plenteous in goods and the fruit of your body and the fruit of your possessions. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heaven to give rain in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. You shall lend to many and borrow from none. He'll make you the head and not the tail. You'll be above only and not beneath. If you hearken unto the word of the Lord, the commandments of the Lord, which I command you this day. That's the heart of God, isn't it? Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 40 because there are some that may believe that God doesn't want them to fly. That God doesn't want to take you higher. But He does. Isaiah chapter 40. We're bird-hearted. We're we're bird-brained. 
We, we keep our minds on Him. We're not worried about the economy. We know that He's taking care of us and providing for us. We're just being who God's created us to be. Right? We're seeking Him first and we're bird-hearted. Right? We're letting God strengthen our heart by meditating on His Word and His promises. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Do you not know, have you not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not faint or grow weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to him that have and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Do you see how he lifts up? He's the lifter of our heads. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Talking about those who don't trust in him, right? But they that wait, hope in, look to, confidently expect from the Lord, shall renew their strength, shall exchange their strength for his strength, shall exchange human strength for heavenly strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. The Amplified says they shall mount up with wings close to God. As eagles, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. What is it that gives a human heart heavenly strength? What is it? Trusting. In the Lord. With all your heart. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord. With all. That's 100% now. That's every area of life now. That's every issue. Everyone. Little, medium size. Right? Big and supersized. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him. What does that word mean? Confess. Know Him in all your ways. Affirm Him to be true in all your ways. And He will direct your path. So if we were to put a meter on our hearts tonight, that gauged how much we're trusting in him, what would it say? 18%? 42? There's a 73% over there. How do I know how much I'm trusting in him? By the peace and joy you have in your life. How easy are you aggravated? I got aggravated this weekend. I was trying to fix something at home and I couldn't fix it. And I got aggravated at the design of this thing. I said, what am I doing? How silly. My meter wasn't at 100%. So we fixed it. So what you're reading tonight? Will you let the Holy Spirit take it 100% before you leave? Would you let him do that? So how do you take it from 18% to to 100%? 
You meditate on His promises. No other way. None. So many believers coming to church faithfully, even reading their Bible, but they're not meditating on the promises of God. There is the 100%. That's when the meter is full. Let's just take an example. There's all, this works in whatever the issue is. This works for physical issues. This works for financial issues. It works for social, family, whatever the issue is. But let's just practice a little bit tonight. And then you can apply this same, these same principles to whatever the issues are in your life. But let's say we have a, a problem tonight that's, that's caused our meter to be at 62%. And that problem is we don't have, we don't have a job. That we have no source of income that we can see. All right? So we have an option. You can talk to all kinds of different people. You can call, you know, you can call your friends. You can call your family. You can see what advice they'll give you. Or you can get in your closet. Close the door. Open up the Bible. And begin to worship the one who made you. That's my option. And since 1989, that's been my first response in a time of need or when an issue would arise, get alone with my father. And I'm so glad. So we don't have a job. There's no source of income we can see. So what do we do about it? Does God know that I don't have a job? So my friends are telling me, you know, you really need to find a job. You need to call so-and-so. And what are you going to do? You know, you've got a mortgage. You've got bills to pay. You may have children and a family. And, you know, there's fears and there's worries. But I want to tell you, even that term, finding a job, you're already missing it. You see, the world thinks in terms of getting a job. Because they don't know they have a destiny. We think in terms of destiny. We're children of destiny. We're not like the Gentiles. We're not like those who don't know the Lord. We realize that God created us and has a great purpose for our lives. So we're not pounding the pavement looking for a job. We're seeking first our maker. Asking him to reveal to us the next step in his plan for our lives. And that's what we'll do. Let's let's look at a promise. Matthew chapter 6, 33. Ever heard that one? You can turn there if you like. We read that earlier. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God, not the one ads, not monster.com. Seek first. Do you go to online to find your answer first or do you go to the Father? I mean, come on, online, it's, it's a vast resource of information. A few clicks and you can find out all kinds of things. But does Father know best? Does Father know more than Google? Right? Does He have access to information that man doesn't have? Can He talk to people that man doesn't know? Can He make a connection for you that man can't make? Can He arrange things for you without going near? Can God work it all out while you're in your bedroom praying? Can He work it out? So I go to Matthew 6.33. 
Not to CNN, not to, the, not to online. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And, but I don't have a job. I've got bills coming. What am I? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Now, I might have to, to go over that verse for 15 minutes before any peace comes. I don't know. It depends on where your heart is at. I might have to go over that thing for 30 minutes. I might have to go over that thing for 45 minutes. One verse for 45 minutes? Oh, yeah. It's deep. It's rich and nourishing. Seek first the kingdom. Maybe for an hour, I've got to eat that thing. Maybe an hour and a half. Maybe two hours. Maybe three. You say, are you kidding me? No, I'm not. Not even jesting. I've done it. Still do it. You spend that long on one verse? Oh, yeah. Why? Because of the endless life it brings. One verse. You see, one word from God can change everything. If, you can, if your heart can just get a hold of one promise from Him, it will change everything. But many believers stop way short. They'll read Matthew 6.33 for a minute or two and they'll get up and they'll go on monster.com and they'll start making the phone calls. And all of a sudden, two hours later, they're worn out. And nothing's changed. They're more stressed than they were before they went online, before they started pounding the pavement and sending out resumes. And they missed it. Here's the answer. Come on. Isn't the answer in here? But wait a minute. This is just a book. I mean, life's going on out there. I'm alone in my house reading a book and things are going to change? This is alive. This is the answer. This is the living, breathing answer to your problem. Do you believe that? That the answer is right here. That this word never, never loses its power. That it's never irrelevant or it's never distant from my situation. So Matthew 6.33, I mean, I might, I might rest on that thing for, for quite a while, as long as I need to, until I know it's real in me. What about Psalm 34, verses 8 through 10? That's a good one. You can turn there if you want. We're talking about we don't have a job. What do we do about it? Well, we're bird-brained and we're bird-hearted. Right? We're keeping our mind on the Lord. We're being who God's made us to be. And we're letting God strengthen us. Let's strengthen our heart by meditating on His Word because He wants us to fly. We're not concerned about finding a job. We want to fulfill our destiny. You see? God will take care of that. So Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the who? Go ahead, read it to me. Verse 9. For those who fear Him lack how much? What? Nothing in today's economy. Is that real? Or is that maybe for three, four hundred thousand, two thousand years ago? Is God that great? Oh. Keep reading. Those who fear Him lack nothing. Verse 10. The lions, those who seek the Lord, what? Woo! 
Problem solved. Problem solved. I've just got to fear him. I've just got to revere him, seek him first, and I will lack no good thing. Hey, I found my answer. It's that simple. Let's look at another one. I just love the Bible. Psalm 138, verse 8. Psalm 138, verse 8. I'm not going to turn there. I'm just going to say these for time's sake. The Lord will accomplish, perfect what concerns me. Are you concerned about your income? The Lord will perfect it. Thy loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. What about 2 Corinthians 9, 8? You can write these down. We're not going to go there. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that, what? At all times, come on, you know, in everything, what? And God is able to make all grace abound to you so in all things at all times, you will have an abundance, an abundance for every good work. God, so it's the grace of God that's abounding to me to meet my needs. Hallelujah, I can't get that online, right? John 4, 34. My food is to do your will, to do his will and accomplish his work. See, I'm not like the world. I'm not looking for a job. My food is to do his will. See, my whole focus is different. Now, let me help you. You know, you can have a job offer come to you. What's, what some people do is say, okay, here's the job I want. I want, you know, such and such amount of money. I want these benefits, I want these benefits. And see, their focus is wrong. I want God's will to be done in my life. I want to fulfill God's destiny for my life. So what happens is an offer comes to them, but it doesn't meet the requirements that they've set, and they say no. They say, I can't live on that. And they miss it. I don't think I've ever had a job that was the income I wanted. Far below. I wouldn't be doing what I do today if I made a decision based on income. It was God who said to do it. It was God who said to do it. See, what you're failing to realize, it doesn't matter what the specifics are. If God is directing you to do that, do it. You don't know what God could do when you step into that door. Right? The things that you desire could end up unfolding as you show yourself faithful on that job. I've watched people miss it because the income wasn't what they thought it should be. And they missed it. You see, we're different. We're different. We're not trying to find a job. We're not looking for a job. We're seeking first the kingdom. We want God's destiny to be unfolded in our lives. You see, God, as we do this, the internal strength, our internal supply of life, our internal supply makes up the deficiency of the external atmosphere around us. Right? So inside, God's provision starts to rise up. And God will begin to direct you to do some things. He may ask you to call someone. He may direct you to go online to a particular website. He may direct you to do some certain things. There will be some practical steps. But the key is that you're letting Him guide you and direct you and not fear and not worry and not stress. Look at the birds. 
Glory to God. So that's who we are. We're bird brain. Our minds are stayed on him. We're not trying to be something the world wants us to be. We're just being who he's made us to be. We're bird hearted. We're relying on the internal supply of God's Holy Spirit to make up the difference in the world around us. And we're letting him strengthen our heart by meditating on his promises so that we can fly and mount up with wings close to him and live high above the reasonings and methods of man. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Let's bless his name. Thank you, Lord. We bless you tonight. We bless you, Lord. You're the answer. You're the answer. Hallelujah. We don't have a fear tonight because we're looking to you. I thank you, Lord, that meters all in this place tonight are going to 100% by your spirit. Lord, that they're climbing from 30 to 40 to 50 and to 60 as your Holy Spirit illuminates hearts tonight to trust in you. I thank you, Lord, for your people going home tonight and opening your word and letting your word bring the peace and confidence and assurance that they've been looking for. In whatever area it is, we thank you, Holy Spirit, for ministering to your people tonight and bringing in your peace. In Jesus' name.